I know this song. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for it's so Oliver Anthony, Oliver Anthony, climbed to the top of the charts with a great melody and lyrics like that. Of course, saying something to the effect of, I've been working overtime hours for BS pay. Isn't that the entire problem with where our economy is right now? Well... They're feeling this over at Bud Light. Big time, big time. And now the Teamsters are involved. I'm telling you, this company, it may go down. And it will be the middle class, the very people that used to love this beer, that wind up taking them down, both through lack of sales and now the latest being this union thing. I'm all over it. Plus, (laughs) we got to do the hop, skip, and a jump over to see the insanity at Davos. Meanwhile, on a more somber note, Melania Trump, her mother has passed away, as you may know, and she had a beautiful tribute to her mother. I want to share with you some of that. And then Apple, hmm, the latest company. Well, we knew it was woke, right, with the whole, like, pregnant man emoji thing. Well, now it's, like, getting even more woke. I'll update you on that one. And Disney, back in the line of fire as Nelson Peltz, is taking no prisoners. Do you guys remember? Do you remember what Elon Musk was saying to Bob Iger, calling him out? Well, now Nelson, big-time billionaire that you probably never heard of, but his daughter's married to David and Victoria Beckham's son. So how's that (laughs) for you to be able to have a frame of reference? Nelson Peltz is like, this is a pretty stinky management team, and I don't like it. Anyway, good to have you all here. Welcome back to the show. Make sure that you have subscribed if you have not already. We're talking about Bud Light. Bud Light could soon be one for the history books. Look, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but how much more can this company take? How much more can they take? Now they're facing a strike. The Teamsters are out saying, you know what? No contract, no beer. Here, this is the the tweet that came out from the Teamsters Twitter account. Forgive me. X. This is, what do we call it? Tweet? This is a tweet. This is the X that came out. It's, It's formerly known as Twitter, of course. Without a contract by February 29th, there will be, won't be, any more beer come March. Teamsters voted 99% to authorize this strike against this multi-billion dollar multinational company, which, by the way, is no longer an American beer company. This should be really, really clear. So they got a hashtag out there, no contract, no beer. This hasn't gotten a lot of pickup. Nobody's talking about this just yet, but I'm watching the share prices of Bud, B-U-D. The stock is down in today's trading And I think that this actually could become a real problem. In other words, they're not paying their workers that well. But how the heck are they going to pay them when they're not selling any beer? Thank you very much. I mean, they're not. You look at the numbers, they're still down like some 29%. Beer sales have fallen dramatically there at AB InBev, otherwise known as Bud. This is the parent company of Bud Light. Ever since the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing and the really inability to gauge how consumers would react to the whole marketing effort. And then what did they do? They fired the woman who was the person who came up with that campaign. And then they went and hired, well, no, they fired. Forgive me. I don't know if they're in the hiring mode. They fired the head of all of marketing 
for Bud Light. I don't know if they're technically saying fired, by the way, but they parted ways. <laughs> That's a euphemism, right? They parted ways with the head of marketing. The CEO is still there. Interestingly, interesting background, really kind of a neat guy in that he used to be in the military, but then he was in the CIA and he went to Harvard. So I guess we have to hold that against him. <laughs> anyway, this company, I don't know how they're going to figure this out. They got a teamster strike that they're looking at. Take a look. There won't be any beer come March. U.S. Anheuser-Busch workers threatened strike represented by the Teamsters. 5,000 workers at 12 breweries prepared to strike after voting 99% in favor. Look, this company is in bad enough shape as it is. I do want to point out... It's a very diverse company, right? It's a multinational company. It was basically formed through the merger of a Brazilian beer company and a Belgian beer company. And then they said, well, you know, Anheuser-Busch, Bud, that's the name we need. So they go by Anheuser-Busch. But again, this is not the Anheuser-Busch of yesteryear. I mean, it's just not. In fact, Billy Bush of the Anheuser-Busch family has talked about this. And he said, look, this is not a company that is in any way similar to what my dad and grandfather built. The whole thing was a huge controversy. Let me take you back because this is just great video to see of Kid Rock when he just like literally blew the lid off things, really angry that Bud Light had chosen that particular line of marketing. Take a peek. So somebody wasn't watching the hen house. They're riding high and mighty as number one, and a fox gets in. Yes, it was a mistake. So do I want to hold their head underwater and drown them because they made a mistake? No, I think they got the message. Like, hopefully other companies get it too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think the punishment that they've been getting at this point fits the crime. <laughs> okay, so he was really mad, understandably so. And you know what? We all kind of agreed with him. And, you know, he just... um kind of took that shot, remember, at the beer, and then he kind of turned around. So it, that was kind of a a weird move out of Kid Rock, but hey, money talks, right? And I do think money talks. I mean, he's the one who single-handedly took down the company, and then he's out there going to his, you know, fighter things, touting the beer, getting seen drinking the beer, and then goes on Tucker and says, you know what? It's over. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. But... The union isn't, okay? So talking about timing, you know, they say life is timing. And this is just one hit after another for this company. Here is a quote. This comes to us from The Guardian, which writes, if Anheuser, and this is a quote actually from uh, one of the people involved in this strike, Mr. O'Brien writing, if Anheuser-Busch's executives can't get their act together to negotiate an agreement that respects workers, we will see them out on the streets. According to the Deemsters, the union has actually not met with AB InBev Anheuser-Busch executives since November 16th when the company refused to negotiate on job security. And so they, they quote a worker in here who said, you know, it used to be like when you were working at an Anheuser-Busch plant, that was like a really big deal. It was a great job. Great, great job for years and years and years. And yet now it's not. It's not because they don't pay enough. They're not keeping up. And I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a similar problem all over the country. And when you get inflation, like we got inflation, thank you very much, Bidenomics. If you're not making more, but the cost of everything is going up, and it is, well, then you got a problem. 
And so, look, I don't like unions. I'm no fan of the union. I think the union has actually done a lousy job representing people for way too many years, and they're part of the issue. But nonetheless, I kind of hope that they're able to get something a little more for the workers. I just think it's bad timing because sales are still down 30%. And I don't see them recovering. Do you? I mean, I'm curious to get your take on this. I'm taking a look at the stock and it's trading around $64.44 right now. A couple bucks off of where it was ahead of this whole scandal. You know, it went way, way, way down. And then Kid Rock comes back and looked like people were forgiving things. I don't think really, though. I mean, maybe Kid Rock is forgiving him, but I think your average American, they moved on. A lot of people are drinking Coors Light now. Molson Coors has benefited from that trade, let me just say. So $64.44, they're going to have some problems if they can't come to a deal or if they have to pay more. You know what? They don't want to pay more, but they may just have to. And they can go back and thank Joe for that one. (laughs) Biden. Um, Turning to a more somber story today, Melania Trump's mother passed away recently, just a couple of days ago, and the family laid her to rest today. Melania Trump got up and and gave a really beautiful, really, really touching eulogy for her mom, who was very involved in both her life and Barron's life. Her parents lived with them at the White House. A lot of people don't know that. Her parents were very sort of low-key, didn't want all the attention in the profile, et cetera. But they were there helping her with her child behind the scenes the whole time. And I'm sure her mother was very instrumental in a whole lot of stuff. She had some beautiful things to say. Let's listen in. Ines, my sister, and me was boundless. Her nurturing spirit had no limits, creating a legacy that will last for generations. She showered her grandson, Baron, with affection, illuminating his world with love, tender care, and unwavering devotion. In her presence, we were enveloped in the warmth of her embrace. We will be forever grateful for the unparalleled affection she bestowed on us. She embodied the best mother, wife, grandmother, mother-in-law, a true beacon of love and luxury in our lives. With her beauty, you know, Melania Trump is known for being a very family-oriented person, very, very close to her son, very, very hands-on. And clearly, she must have gotten that as well from her parents, who were very involved in her life. And, you know, by the way, her sister that you also do not hear a lot about, but whom she is very close to. I think it says a lot about someone knowing how close they are to their family. It's, it's an important thing. And it's all coming sort of at a a challenging time, right? A very challenging time because the reality is this. Her husband is dealing with a lot. I mean, you saw the circus, did you not? Or at least heard about it. Uh, it really is. To the show, remind uh, me, subscribe, the- subscribe, subscribe, guys. And, and by the way, on Apple iTunes, too, if you would do me that favor. And while you're at it, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Anyway, Donald Trump has been in the thick of it because the judge was like ready to throw him out of the courtroom and was like, you know, there was some kind of showdown going on with his lawyer, uh, Alina. Uh, uh, she, she was into it with the judge. It basically, you know, it's it's just one of many, 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 many lawsuits. This one in particular is being funded, as we understand it, by a well-known Democrat and a, a tech a tech bro that would be Reed Hoffman, who started LinkedIn. So lots of problems, legally speaking. And then you got a campaign going on. So her husband's 
up there in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, just last night. I mean, back, of course, for the funeral. But I, I want to go to some video of Trump in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. By the way, this is where I was born. Ladies and gentlemen, live free or die, New Hampshire. It's on every single license plate. Like it's, it's like the first thing I learned to read. You know, you're like this high and you're walking around the parking lot with your parents. Live free or die. Oh, what's that mean? Get you thinking. Get you thinking at a pretty young age. I like the expression a lot. It's actually right here on the cup. You can get it at trishregan.shop. But um, I like it. It, it means a lot in, in so many ways. And, and there's a great history behind it that we can talk about. Uh, it, it's really, it, it, it does mean uh, it, quite something. Live free or die. I mean, it, it has its roots back in the Revolutionary War time. General Stark. Okay, here I am. I, I started on the story. I'm on a tangent, right? You know what? I got to tell, tell my friend Lee. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. He is the guy behind this wonderful new podcast wonderful new podcast called Our American Stories. And they got to do this story. They got to do this about the history, the origin of this expression. It's, it's great. It's no, no politics, no politics, just fabulous stories. I mean, they've got one on Lincoln, the very last hours that he was alive, all the things that transpired. They've got another tremendous one on Harriet Tubman. They got one on Dale or Earnhardt, they the, the history of of NASCAR. Did you know that it's actually rooted in bootlegging? Uh-huh. There's a whole bunch of really, really just interesting stuff that I think helps to capture the American spirit and who we are. I bring it up because live free or die is part of that. And General Stark, my dad grew up on Stark Street in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, had a big hand in this and created this expression. Anyway, the former president, our American stories, before I forget, go to Apple podcast, go to Spotify, go to Google Podcasts. make sure you've downloaded my audio show, the full audio, the Trish Regan show, and make sure that you go and get our American stories as well. Lee's actually going to be on the show. I think I have convinced him to come on tomorrow because he, he can tell you about it way better than I can. I just think it's so cool. And hey, you know, we all need a break from politics now and then. Um, although it's pretty entertaining, you got to admit, right? Uh. This is about as good as it gets now that Trump is back on the scene. And there he was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You know, live free or die means a lot. It means a lot to me. It does have this rooted tradition in the Revolutionary War era. But I'll tell you, people in New Hampshire, left or right, what's really unique about them is that they don't like big government, period. I mean, it's a small state. It's written into our state constitution that, one, we have to be the first primary, first in the nation every year. Um, I knew the guy that put that into the Constitution, actually. And then, too, we have to balance our budget. And somehow we do. I mean, it was great. I used to have a, my husband and I had a lake house up on Lake Winnipesaukee in Moultonboro, New Hampshire, small town. And I was like, what is this? One, one, one year we got a check in the mail from the Moultonboro, New Hampshire government. And I'm like, well, what is this? Well, they sent us money back, you see, because they had a surplus in their taxes. <laughs> Imagine that. A surplus in property taxes. Who knew? I mean, they operate on such a thin budget. It's amazing what they get done. No sales tax, ladies and gentlemen. No income tax. And they got a property tax, but, you know, I'm getting money back from my property taxes. I'm amazed. Right? It's a small state, small population. I get it. And kind of, you know, homogeneous. And they've got sort of, you know, a similar work ethic and a similar mentality. And the left and the right agree on one thing. No more 
taxes, no new taxes. So I, I tell you all of this because you need to have this background and understanding. When I go to the Trump sound, you're going to understand that what he was saying absolutely positively resonates in a state like live free or die New Hampshire. He got into cryptocurrencies and he's like, hey, we're not getting a digital dollar in the United States of America so long as I am president. We don't need the government breathing down our backs and watching every single thing we do, every single thing we spend our money on. Thank you very much. I wouldn't have thought this was such a big deal until recently. We can talk about that because it is, it is. And it's like they're they're spying on you everywhere and now they're going to control your money. Not if Trump has anything to say about it. Check it out. And tonight, I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about I didn't know you know so much. I'm very, well, New Hampshire, very smart people. Very, uh, very current. You know what they're doing. Such a currency would give a federal government, our federal government, the absolute control over your money. They could take your money. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it was gone. This would be a dangerous threat to freedom, and I will stop it from coming to America. You know? <laughs> He's got to stop it. It is a dangerous threat to your freedom. I mean, I certainly think so. What do you think? Let me see. In those comments there, we've got a live chat going on on YouTube. I'm live on Rumble right now, live on Facebook, all of these places. Uh, it's good to see you guys. I'm going to add some of these comments in just a second, but I'm curious. What do you think? Would you Do you want the digital dollar? I'll tell you, most people, they don't. This is over in the post-millennial. They, they, they were talking about it ahead of time. They said he's never going to allow it, ever, 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 ever. You know, New Hampshire, so long as we're talking about it, so long as we're talking about these great stories, like my friend's podcast there, Our American Stories, so long as we're, we're, we're speaking about these things and how they relate to finance even, do you know that New Hampshire was the site of what I like to think of as the original Davos, like the good Davos, back when Davos was actually all about believing in uh, some stability in the world and some commonality and, you know, a focus on prosperity. This is partly what made us the success that we became after World War II. You see all the world leaders, they gathered at Bretton Woods up in the White Mountains at the Mount Washington Hotel, and they put in the gold standard. Because, you see, we needed that. Because you couldn't just print money and print money and print money. And the U.S. had a lot of gold, right? So we kind of came out on the winning end of that one. You can go to the Mount Washington Hotel. I've been, I drag my kids into the gold room every time and I tell them the story and they're like, oh my gosh, mom. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you guys appreciate it more, but it's a big deal, right? Because that was sort of the creation of the United States of America on a very national stage in which, yes, we were getting into that. I mean, like we're not, we should never be globalists. That's why I don't like this Davos thing. But we were taking on a bigger role in a good way, in a responsible way responsible way being the key operative word there with the gold standard. I mean, I get, I know it's really hard to go back to that. We can't really go back to the gold standard because well, there's not enough gold because <laughs> we printed so much darn money because we got off of it. We need Bretton Woods 2.0. I mean, if we could, but we can't at this point, trains left the station. I'll tell you, we need some kind of fiscal discipline, fiscal responsibility. We need Bretton Woods. We don't need Davos for goodness sakes. All the elites over there, with our special parties. I'm always amazed by this because, you know, they sit there and they talk to us about equality and, you know, protecting the fish like that 
eco side lady did just the other day and this that and the other i mean i had to listen to john Kerry's speech and blinken and oh my goodness they'd all they 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 almost they almost put you to sleep that's how bad it is but they just like to hear themselves talk and they're all sort of in these lofty idea academic style thought processes but nobody's grounded in reality None of them are grounded in reality, like maybe they were back in the Bretton Woods days of New Hampshire. And so they're so off in left field that that even now they're talking about AI controlling elections. Excuse me? This is the guy who founded the thing back in the early 70s. Klaus Schwab. Hey, you know. Kudos to him. He started this whole globalist elitist movement there in Davos, Switzerland. And he thinks there will come a day when we can't even vote. We won't need to vote. This is scary. Watch. The technology now is, and digital technologies mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much involved into it. But since the next step could be to go into a prescriptive mode, which means um, uh, you you do not even have to have elections anymore, because you can already uh, predict what, uh, predict, and afterwards you can say, why do we need elections? Because we know what the result will be. Wow, I mean, you know, cutting straight to the chase there on that one, buddy. (laughs) Clearly. Why do we need elections? Because we can predict what the result will be. Wow. I okay, we're gonna we're gonna leave that a little side. Do you know tomorrow I'm gonna do like a big thing on just the insanity of the Davos overall because we've heard a lot of it. I loved hearing Jamie Dimon, however, because he uh he was like a an anomaly. Jamie Dimon. CEO of the world's largest bank. And I'm pretty sure it's the world. It's certainly America's. They just had a fantastic quarter, by the way. And he, on CNBC, with, you know, all these people that very much do not like, do not like Donald Trump or MAGA or anything like that. I, I want you to see it because we're going to run it again. I mean, this is just so good. Jamie calls them all out to their faces, pointing out what I've said all along, what you and I already know that, you know what, half the country wasn't wrong. Donald Trump had some darn good policies, and I have a feeling they're going to be back in the White House. Watch. We've got this great hand, but when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him. Uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Yeah. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's I, I agree. Sure. Done you know what? And, you know, it's really Democrats hard to hate 75 job. million of your fellow Americans. Go, Jamie Dimon. Thank you for saying what needed to be said, especially 
in a venue like that. Doesn't stop the wokeness from still hurting so much of corporate America. Disney's one good example. I'm going to get to that in a second. But first, let's start on Apple. Apple is on woke alert here. You know, they, they want you to be woke alert. They want to make sure that you know you can put your pronoun in. And, and before you know it, it's going to be expected, right? I mean, I thought it was bad with the darn emojis. Remember the pregnant man emoji, which didn't make any sense? There was one kid who didn't like the nerd emoji. This is how I felt when I saw the pregnant man emoji. Do we have this tape? This kid's I was like, I I'm competing against this horrible emoji. So this petition is all about changing the nerd emoji and making people with glasses feel like they're special. I hate the teeth at the bottom and the name. <laughs> making me feel sad and upset. This is what I would like because it's not got the stupid teeth, it's got a little grey. <laughs> can I, can I do that with the pregnant man emoji? Nice name, the genius I don't really emoji. like that. I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, right? Well... Apple doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Apple's trying to be everything to everyone, but it keeps getting itself in trouble. The latest being this pronoun thing. So going totally woke here. Some people are saying, oh, you know, Steve Jobs would totally die again if you ever saw this one. So you're going to be able to enter your, your pronoun because, you know, you got to be able to do that now because apparently a name like Trish or Allison or Cindy doesn't necessarily mean you're female and however you look. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm just so over this. And you know what? America's over this. America's over this. This is going to help Donald Trump win. Literally, this story from Apple is going to help Donald Trump because the country's gotten so darn crazy that people are going to say, I have to. I mean, they've got a whole tutorial. Did you guys see this? Not that you want to do this, but in the event that you actually did, they're going to make sure they make it really, really easy. They've got a nice little tutorial. You can do this. You can add pronouns to your contacts. So, you know, what are we going to go through my contacts and like add pronouns to them? Come on. Enough. Enough already. Apple is having a little trouble on the business front. You see, my son may have gotten the last Apple watch. He bought one just a day or two ago. They're no longer selling them. No longer selling Apple Watches. And they're moving part of their team, as that article shows you right there, to Texas. But starting with the Apple Watch. So do you guys use these Apple Watch things at all? Like anybody, anybody? I, I, I tried it. I'm not really into it anymore. But, you know, for some people, they like it. It's just that it's always like dinging and always going off. And usually, inevitably, I'm on the air with you guys. And it's like ding, 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 ding. Anyway. They're in trouble because they've got a lawsuit in which someone's making the allegation that they stole the technology for some of the medical stuff that's on the watch. And so consequently, they have to freeze sales of this watch. So you can't buy a watch, apparently, effectively today from Apple. And then on top of that, they get a lot of team members out in California, woke California, from Silicon Valley down to San Diego. In fact, the AI team members, the ones that are going to, you know, work with Klaus Schwab to make sure that AI can take care of how you're going to vote. Anyway, those, those AI members, about 120 or so of them, they were just informed that they have to move. They have to move from San Diego, California to Texas because they have operations down there in Austin too. I mean, that's a trade I'd take any day, but people are kind of flipping out. I'll tell you why the company is doing it. And you're going to see more and more and more and more companies doing this. Tesla, of course, was one that really led the charge on this. Companies are moving because it's cheaper to operate in the state of Texas 
where there's no income tax. Remember that little one? Just like New Hampshire. And and so they're going to keep moving. Florida is another good example. I mean, we just have to hope that they don't change the culture too much because that's what's made some of those places like Texas, like Florida, like New Hampshire. That's what made it great, right? They have a much better economic equation that they're offering up. And so corporations want to be there. Businesses want to be there. People want to be there. And your standard of living is better because guess what? You keep more of what you earn. Imagine that. So Apple, despite its wokeness, is moving some employees to Texas. Another company that's struggling with wokeness that's in the news right now, you know Disney, you know the challenges Disney has had. I mean, one after another, I feel like I catalog them every day here on the show. It's such a shame because this is a great company. And now it's trading around, what, 91 bucks a share. It used to be up around 200 just a few years ago. So it has been decimated in terms of the stock price, in terms of the valuation, and it's no surprise. Why? Because they keep coming out with things that people don't want to watch, with movies they don't want to see, with political agendas embedded in these movies that really irritate people. They have very long lines at their parks, and some of the rides aren't working. I mean, there's just a host of things. And so Disney has continued to face these challenges, and I don't think they're going to really have an easy way out of this. The, the, the CEO, Bob Iger, whom Elon Musk completely hates. I'm wondering if we have that sound because it's always just fun to see. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, Drew, let me know. If we've got the sound, we'll play it for you. If not, another day. But Elon totally tore into Bob Iger. And now there's another guy that's tearing into Bob Iger. That would be Nelson Peltz. Nelson Peltz runs something called Trion. It's a big, 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 uh, well, asset management, you know, for himself. He, he's an investor and he's looking at companies that he thinks can do better. And one of them is Disney. And so he nominated himself to the board. He's really, really angry with Bob Iger. He's like, buddy, you're underperforming the S&P. Like the S&P's here and you're here. So this is not good. And he's got a plan, he says, to actually try and change the company pretty dramatically. Pretty dramatically. I'd like to see Nelson Peltz outline it. He thinks there's huge potential, right? Huge potential. So he goes on CNBC and he's like, listen, guys, we can actually do something here with this company. I mean, good luck. I mean, he's going to actually try and get everybody's buy-in. And most recently, the board wouldn't allow him to name some new directors. But if we have the sound, let's go and watch Nelson Peltz here say, there is promise for this company, but they got to make a ton of change. And Bob Iger and the rest of the management team, they're not doing their jobs. Uh, That's the problem here, Jim. This company is just not being run properly. The board oversight is, is awful. Uh, it really is. Uh, the park, certain, as I said, certain rides were great, but you can see it's getting a bit long in the tooth. They need more capital invested. They need more capital invested now because the competition is getting keener. You've got Comcast opening 500 acres right down the road in two years with a brand new park. They're also opening parks in Chicago opening uh, a park in Texas, uh, pardon me, not Chicago, Las Vegas. And, and these are, this is where all the value today in the stock price resides. So what do you think? I mean, look, I hate to bet against Disney. I love Nelson and what he's doing. He actually 
is more on the right side of things than the left side of things. And that's important. You know, we talk about diversity. It's one thing to have diversity in a physical sense. It's another thing to have diversity in a opinion sense. So he's coming at this with a very different line of thinking. And part of Disney's problem is it's gotten away from what the average customer, the average person really wants, much like Bud Light was doing. And so these companies, they get to pull it together. They get to actually figure out what works. Just like these politicians. I mean, this is why Joe Biden is on such thin ice. Joe Biden is going to have a really, really, really hard time, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think he's going to be able to make to the finish line. I don't actually think he's even going to ultimately run. He's going to have a hard time for one reason and one reason only. He is so divorced from what everyday Americans think. And the Democrat Party has allowed this to happen. They have been taken hostage by these extremists on the left, by the likes of MSNBC, and it's all going downhill from there. Anheuser-Busch needs to figure itself out. Disney needs to figure itself out. Every corporation in America needs to figure itself out and not become victim to the wokeness that will take the Democrat Party and Joe Biden down with it. And you as an investor need to think through that as well. I'm not saying never on Disney. I have a little faith with Nelson there rattling the cages. But the reality is this. Any company that puts ESG, environmental social governance, before profits is not looking out for their shareholders in the way that they should. Hey, it's great to see you guys. Dan, thanks for mentioning this. Yes, we do have a little membership here on the YouTube channel. You guys are in there on the uh, <laughs> on the ground floor. Michael Don, good to see you back here. Darren, you know, yes, I Daryl, forgive me. Um, <laughs> you want Disney to stop being so bad at everything they do. I get it, I get it, I get it. We all do, right? We all do. Lots going on. Took a little detour away from some of the politics right now, but I think it's important to kind of look at everything else out there because everything else actually feeds the politics, right? When you see the nonsense from Apple or the nonsense from Disney, it all relates back. It all relates back to why Joe Biden, I don't think, can win. I mean, I don't think Michelle could either. I think that it's that bad. It's that bad, and and people want to take their country back. And we want to help them. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like, that you share, and that we get the word out. Lots more going on. I'll be here with you again tomorrow. Great to see you as always. Have a great afternoon.